This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mercado and Manning, the weekly Media Week podcast where we talk about TV. We've got content from Netflix. We've got a couple of shows from Disney Plus, and we'll be looking at something on Binge or Foxtel, depending on um, which of those two platforms you favour. Um, joining me as always, I'm James Manning. Joining me is Andrew Mercado, our co-host. Now, Andrew, last week I talked about, um, I was really looking forward to Persuasion, uh, yep. a Jane Austen adaption on Netflix. But I said, look, I'm really worried because the reviews have just been terrible. I quoted a few things. I think the LA Times and might have been Variety or Slate or somebody, and they said, look, this is possibly the worst Jane adaption ever, the worst movie of the last few years. But i got to say, they're all wrong. Really? I I really loved it. I just, I do love it when we go out on a limb, though, and go against what everyone else says. I love that when everybody bags something, (laughs) but you can see something good in it. Yeah, look, I I found myself chuckling along. Um, The period recreation's great, you know, that's... um, the the sort of outfits and the 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 recreation of that uh, that period in English history was great, um, and so was a couple of the acting. I mean, it's a, a Dakota Johnson plays uh, is outstanding as Anne Elliot, the sort of main character, and possibly I mean she made three Fifty Shades of Grey movies, and I don't think that really helped her career. Um, no. But this is probably her best work since then, and I'm I'm sure could lead to some other great roles for her because she's really outstanding, has a lot of fun, and it's hard to come away without really appreciating the work she's done. Um, the other big attraction for me is Richard E. Grant. I always love him in of whatever course. he did. Hmm? Yeah, I love him. Yeah. I mean, he's quite an eccentric um, British uh, Sir Walter Elliot. He plays... Um, Dakota Johnson's dad in the show. Look, it's not a huge role, but when he's there, he really takes over the screen and he really gets into his role. I mean, I can understand some people saying, look, he's hamming it up too much. That wrecks the flow of the movie. But but I thought it was really, it really suited the, the project. You know, yeah, this is different from other Jane Austen uh, adaptations, but I really had a bit of fun with this. Some of the other cast, Henry Golding, who we probably best know from Crazy Rich Asians, uh, Ben yep. Bailey Smith, who was a copper in that uh, miniseries Des that we both liked. Uh, he's also in The Split. And yep. um, Cosmo Jarvis plays Wentworth, who does a good job. He's um, at sort of Anne Elliott's true love, um, who she sort of declines to marry at the start of the movie. But, you know, and, but she's sort of, constantly plagued by, oh, I've made the wrong decision, then he comes back into her life later on and we see how that unfolds. So, look, Persuasion, it's a movie, it's up on Netflix and, um, yeah, look, it's, it's well worth dabbling into, I think. It's only 110 minutes. That's a, that's a nice rom-com viewing time. And, hey, when I watch a Richard E. Grant movie, I want Ham James. So, yeah, um, I'm glad you enjoyed it and uh, who cares what the others think? Yeah, yeah, 110 minutes. That's almost short these days for a movie, isn't it? There, yeah. the, the time's really blown out. Just 
but that's a, another discussion for another day perhaps. Look, something else that's on Netflix, and you put me onto this, I think it's been around for a little while. It might have come out last year. It's called Midnight Mass. Not usually my cup of tea, but I, I, I dipped into it, sort of a, an American supernatural horror uh, adventure. Yeah, well, I decided to have a look at it because there was the most incredible review of it in The Guardian where uh, this woman talked about how this is a horror film with deep roots in Catholicism and if you're a lapsed Catholic, uh, which I am, uh, there might be something in that for you. And she said that uh, she thought that Midnight Mass was incredible but uh, she loved it it would always stay with her, but she could never watch it again. So that really piqued my interest. So I'm in there deep now. I've watched about four episodes, and it's from the same guy that made uh, that Netflix horror show, The Haunting of Hill House, which then became a sequel, The Haunting of Bly Manor. And he takes the same actors with him uh, from project to project. Uh, so I'm really, really interested uh, in it. And certainly it's set in a small island that's only got 127 people living on there. And the parish priest uh, is replaced and he's this young guy, very charismatic, but uh, sure enough, the dark and evil stuff starts happening fairly quickly. So, yeah, quite fascinating. And I thought it was interesting to watch this week because I've also been watching Under the Banner of Heaven which is the Mormon murder uh, story that's just started streaming on Netflix. So I thought it was a, a great uh, counterpart to uh, Midnight Mass because, not surprisingly, some Mormons aren't happy with Under the Banner of Heaven and some Catholics aren't real happy with Midnight Mass. Yeah, look, it's... Um yeah, I've, I've watched a bit of both of those too. Let's start with uh, Midnight Mass. Yeah, you mentioned, I think, uh, that the director is Mike Flanagan, you mentioned. That's him. And he's actually married to um, Kate, is it Seigel, who stars yeah, in a yeah. lot of his movies and she stars in um, Midnight Mass as well. And um, Kate is actually something of a horror specialist, if you like, horror, suspense, thriller. Just look, the last five years, and not all these films have been directed by a husband, but she's been in, um, starting five years ago, Hush, uh, Ouija, The Origin of uh, Evil, uh, Gerald's Game. You mentioned The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. Let's Go Down, which only which is a 20-minute short, but was also in that genre, and a mystery thriller called um, Hypnotic. She's also yeah, wow. in a few episodes of The Time Traveller's Wife that you sort of decided not, not, not to dig into um, a couple of episodes ago. The, 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 the first episode of saying looks very cinematic, isn't it? It's, um, it's quite yeah, wonderfully yeah. shot, you know. There's, there's not, if you're, look, I'm not a horror guy, but that did, because there's not a lot of horror elements, is it? It's, it's more suspense, I think, particularly in that first episode, all the cliffhanger right at the end gives you a bit of a jolt when you when you see what's in the aftermath of a storm. But um, there's yeah. sort of uh, echoes of Lambs, for, Lambs of God for me in this. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a different plot line, but it's not totally dissimilar, like a sort of um, an, an outpost, um, a, a community, sort of an isolated community, if you like. Well, there's a few more people in this than there was in 
in Lambs of God. But then I was looking at some of the scenes. It's almost a bit Hitchcockian at times too. Some of the, yeah. the beach scenes and the, although the the birds, at least in the first episode, aren't central to the plot. They're just they're just some great sort of black and white photography almost. And you know what? Thanks for pointing out to me that it was released on Netflix September last year. Um, I mistakenly thought because I read about it in The Guardian that it had just been released and that would explain to me why every time I went through new releases on Netflix, I couldn't find it. <laughs> I had to do the search. But that just goes to show you how much TV is coming at us all the time. You know, here we are nearly eight months later and suddenly The Guardian picks it up and it certainly piqued my interest. I was straight onto it. I read that article and went, oh, my God, we have to watch this straight away. Yeah, and, and I mentioned last week, I think, my I was tipped into the sort of current Jane Austen boom, if you like, by um, by a story in the garden called, I think it was Under the Bonnet, which um, yeah. listed some of the other the Jane Austen stuff around. And something else, a new um, series of Sanditon is just launched in the UK. So it was, oh, I think, wow. Jane Austen's last novel. Um, she hadn't finished it at the time of her death. But she'd written, I think, about 12 chapters or something um, from memory. So they've sort of filled it out a little bit. And it was cancelled after the first season. But the sort of fans rebelled, if you like, and really sort of um, mobilised themselves into a force and sort of, you know, um, went after the BBC and pleaded for more. And they staged, staged events. I think they went to a beach and did a big a big uh, sand sculpture, things like that, and really made a noise about it, which the media and the cast got involved too and supported them, and and it worked, and they've come back with a further um, two seasons, the second um, launching now, and I think it'll be on um, BBC First, and I think it's been on in Australia in on the ABC, but you've got that 12-month window between when it first shows on BBC First and then a free-to-air channel. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah, well, that's um, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? It's got some of um, a lot of UK actors, uh, if you like, and also um, our very own Sam Worthington. Correct. Um, again, when I think of uh, Mormons, I think of was a big love, the sort of the Mormon series. Oh, it must be um, well over a decade ago, maybe nearly even 20 years ago now, that. Yeah, the HBO series with Bill Paxton and he had three wives. I loved it. I watched every single episode of Big Love. And not surprisingly, Under the Banner of Heaven is written by Dustin Lance Black, uh, who is known in the tabloids as being the husband of British diver Tom Daly. But he's also an Academy Award screenwriter for Milk. And he uh, wrote extensively on Big Love and ended up becoming one of the show's producers because he is a former Mormon. So he's the perfect person to take on Under the Banner of Heaven, which investigates a murder within the Mormon community. And I was really impressed with the first episode, James, where Andrew Garfield, who is a Mormon investigator, has to go into this house where the murder has taken place and you see him reacting quite viscerally to the blood and the bodies lying there on the ground. And we don't often see that on TV. We see these very cynical cops who just go, oh, yeah, here we go, another murder. It's interesting to see a man that, you know, physically recoils from what he's seeing and sort of has to take a moment to 
kind of, I assume, prey uh, for the people who've just been killed. I thought it was a terrific uh, first episode. I haven't been able to watch any more than that. But, yes, Sam Worthington's in there with Andrew Garfield and, of course, Daisy Edgar-Jones, who's a real, she's really hot right now, isn't she, James, after starring in uh, the show you love, Normal People? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, she's um, she's one of several cast members we we we're very uh, familiar with and enjoy their work. Um, yeah, she sort of co-stars in this. She's also got, I think, a movie coming out maybe this week or next week where the crawdads sing. So she's oh, a- everyone's talking about that movie, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's got a lot going on, and and she's you know worthy of it too because she just shined in normal people. That was. That was one of the best. That was probably nearly two years ago now, wasn't it? But that was a um, yeah. a brilliant show. I, I couldn't get enough of that. Um, also in this is Denise Goff um, playing a Mormon wife. She doesn't have a lot to do in that first episode. I guess she might have a little bit more to do. But if you want to see her, search out Too Close, a series where she co-starred with Emily Watson. Emily Watson was a sort of um, a... Or sort of psychologist, a, a criminal psychologist who works with um, who the character of Denise Goff, who was accused of a sort of a really nasty crime, but she she denies all knowledge. She said, "Look, I can't remember anything. I I, I don't think I did it because I just can't remember anything." So that's that's quite fascinating. Also, in this is Billy Howe, um, a real favourite of mine. Uh, recently, I watched him in Chloe. Which I just finished the season. That that's brilliant. Now he's also in the Serpent as the Danish oh, embassy, Danish yeah. embassy official Herman, who sort of really yeah. kept, kept the investigation going and and forced them that's to sort right. of work out um, what happened. And remember how we couldn't believe that he was playing a Dutch man in the Serpent when he'd we'd seen him play the son of Richard Gere in Mother, Father, Son. It was it, it blew my mind to think that was the same actor. He's so so good. Yeah, and I thought Andrew Garfield's a bit of a revelation. There's too for me. Look, I haven't haven't seen a lot of his other work. Um, perhaps best known was he Spider Man in a few movies. Well, certainly in terms of uh, uh, moving into blockbuster status, yes, he is Spider-Man and he was in that last Spider-Man movie. But, you know, he's just quietly been doing a lot of TV on the side as well. He did that mo- that uh, that movie which was about the guy who wrote uh, Rent, the musical, Tick, Tick, Boom. And he okay. was also in the eyes of Tammy Bay, that movie opposite Jessica Chastain last year. He was terrific as Jim Backer in that. So, yeah, Andrew Garfield, think of him not just as Spider-Man. He can be a really serious actor when he needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. There's also a Culkin in this. Uh, Rory Culkin has a role. He plays one of the brothers in this big Mormon family, and I guess all Mormon families yep. are quite big. But um, <laughs> so He's pretty good. I hadn't seen much of him before. And the, working very well with Andrew Garfield is his fellow detective played by um, Gil Birmingham, um, who they, they're butting heads all the time along the way. Um, he's a bit of an old school detective, if you like, Gil Birmingham, and he sort of wants to do it his way. But Garfield's really in charge of the investigation and watching those two on screen together is great. Um, Birmingham has had a long-running role in Yellowstone. He also was in yep. um, House of Cards and he was, I think he was in all the Twilight Saga movies as well. 
Right, yeah, he's he's really great because he's uh, Andrew Garfield wants to run the investigation a certain way because he's a Mormon, um, and of course, uh, Gil Birmingham isn't. But you know, I actually watched uh, Under the Banner of Heaven, which is now streaming on Disney Plus. I watched it with a couple of friends of mine who are former Mormons themselves, oh. and they said that uh, the depiction uh, was pretty accurate for them in terms of the way the family spoke to each other, and you know, the fact they referred to everything to heavenly father uh yeah they they gave it a thumbs up for accuracy yeah yeah well that's that's three good um recommendations so far this week a couple of other things quickly from me the um something else on disney plus is the old man a couple of hollywood stars jeff bridges and john lithgow now, um, Jeff Bridges is the sort of title role, if you think he's, he's actually the old man. Then I just sort of look, I'll check the ages of these guys and guess who's older, Jeff Bridges or John Lithgow? Well, I'd say Jeff Bridges is older. Well, that's what I would have thought, but no. John yeah. Lithgow is actually 76. He's four, really? years, old, four years older than, um, than Jeff Bridges. I guess I just think of Jeff Bridges being around forever, you yeah. know. I mean, you know, he, he was there with his dad on Sea Hunt back in the 50s on TV. His dad was Lloyd Bridges. His brothers, Bo Bridges, both, uh, you know, all of them ended up being fantastic actors. And, you know, Jeff Bridges' breakthrough role was in the last picture show, the Peter yeah. Bogdanovich movie in black and white from, I think, 1971. Such an amazing movie. And I've always loved, loved, loved Jeff Bridges. He's one of my favourite go-to male Hollywood actors and he very rarely puts a foot wrong. And you know, look back through his career, look at like The Big Lebowski, which has turned into one of the greatest cult movies of all time. Uh, he's a great guy and I'm dying to watch this, James. I haven't had time, but The Old Man is definitely on my list of things that I've got to get to. Yeah, look, I don't want to put you off, but there's a but coming. The um, oh. Bridges starts off, he's living in rural America. He seems to be worried about his health in the later years of his life. Um, memory loss could be a bit of a problem. He does sort of things like he left, leaves the house and puts his phone in the microwave and turns it on. You go, what, what's he doing? Um, you know, he, he, and he goes to the doctor, he gets a checkup, he's worried that sort of his um, cognitive skills might be sort of not what they were. Um, but then, then it starts to take a little bit of a twist. There's flashbacks to his wife who... Um, who he cared for in her later years. She's she's no longer no longer alive. Um, but then, and he's got two big dogs that he lives with. Two, I think they're Rottweilers. I'm not sure, but they're just very fierce dogs. Anyway, but it all changes when, in the middle of the night, he thinks he hears someone breaking in. Turns out someone's turned up to to track him down, and and he um is a sort of. I won't say what happens. I don't want to sort of spoil, but but there's sort of a um, there's a situation <laughs> that, that develops from there, if you like. There's there's flashbacks to the young. He plays someone called Dan Chase. Wow. Um, and then you you start to work out. Gee, is this this gentle old guy living a quiet life in the sort of rural America? There's a lot more to it, and it becomes almost a bit of a bit of a spy thriller, if you like. It, it sort of morphs and it does it quite carefully. But then it later in that first episode, it becomes almost too much of a an action movie with familiar tropes. There's like some fight scenes which just go on way too long. And right. 
So I'm just worried where this show might go. But the setup's really good, and it's um well well worth watching and and maybe again at least sticking with for a couple of episodes. I think they they blew all the budget on the two main casts. Amy Brenneman's uh, also in it as well, and Joel oh, Gray yeah. turns up in a couple of episodes. Yeah. Wow. Um, which we don't see a lot of him these days. Look, I'd stick with it. It's got a 94% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and it's approved for a second series. Yeah. Uh, and it's amazing too that it even got finished because Jeff Cancer, uh, Jeff Bridges got cancer in the middle of it. Production had to be shut down. Um, there was COVID around and he's recovered from lymphoma and that, you know, I read an interview where he said it, it's just amazing that this show got made because he actually didn't think he'd be able to finish it. Yeah. Um, something on HBO, another HBO production, and you can watch it on Binge or Foxtel. It's getting some rave reviews in the States, The Rehearsal six-episode comedy series from a guy called Nathan Fielder, who I haven't really come across before, but he's got a bit of a cult following. I think he's a Canadian comedian, um, and he really plays with the, um, I don't know, he plays with the sort of, this is, it's a bit hard to describe what this is, but it's like a, he, he, he goes and finds people to rehearse parts of their real life, like right. something's coming up in their life, they've got a, a meeting or a confrontation with a person or something to do with a relationship, and he rehearses them through how it might go. Um, it's all a setup, of course. It's not It's not a reality show. But um, I don't know. I just couldn't get into that first episode. I've read a few things about, look, the first episode, get over it, get to the second and third. But look, there's just so much TV around. I just don't know if I can do that. You know, there's so many good shows. I don't think I'll stick to the journey, but but if you are intrigued by this, it, it could be worth sticking around past that um, first episode. Think people are saying things like, "Oh, comedic masterpiece, nothing like this yeah. on TV." Comedy magic, and Vulture, who I do value their opinions, um, the US sort of um, entertainment side. I think it's a spin-off of New York Magazine calls it Nathan Fielder's dazzling, horrifying trial run of reality. Oh, well, you know, he's a Canadian comedian and they have a very different outlook on life sharing a border with the Americans. So I'm certainly interested. You know, I'm sorry I haven't watched so many shows this week, but, you know, I'm on a road trip. I'm driving <laughs> north in search of the sun. I'm yet to find any, by the way. But, yeah, I'm not able, I'm not at home. I can't access this because it's dropped on binge. Uh, but, yeah, I've got to check it out because uh, the reviews are incredible for it. Yeah, I've got a feeling this will really appeal to you. I think you'll like it. So it'd be um, so. So make sure we chat about it in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Look, you've got something you want to talk about. Um, what What's in your sort of retro spot um, uh, on the radar this week? Look, last week I talked, uh, not last week, several weeks ago I talked about The Flying Doctors uh, being available to watch on Nine Now, their free catch-up service. And I talked about how they only had a couple of series of it up there. And I went back and had a look at it today and it's the entire series is now there from woe to go, including The Flying Doctors when it was... Uh, reimagined as RFDS with full stops between all the letters. If you go looking for it on IMDB and can't find it, we of course now have another RFDS on Channel 7. And it's interesting to look back at the Flying Doctors when they completely tried to rejig the show 
It didn't work. They brought in new cast members like Peter Phelps and Simone Buchanan, and you'll see a very young Stephen Hall from Mad as Hell in that first episode. But it's really interesting as a curio piece for fans of Australian TV to see uh, the end, the last episode of The Flying Doctors, and then this rejigged version, which only lasts about 13 episodes. So it's all called The Flying Doctors. It's all there to watch uh, now on Nine Now. On nine now, and I'm guessing that that um, the the newer version is probably still on seven plus too. Yeah, well, Channel Seven uh, announced the night before the Logies that they're definitely proceeding with a second series of RFDS, which is great news. Uh, so yeah, if you love the the fly all things flying doctors, you've uh, got to see this last one to the genre. Well, I'm going to finish up this week with just a uh, shout out to one of my another favourite actor of mine, Helen Mirren. Um, I'm doing this because she's actually she's on the cover of Radio Times this week, uh, one of my favourite magazines. And, look, if you're into TV, you could do worse than uh, track down the Radio Times um, digitally each week. Uh, she, it's a bit of a career retrospective. She talks about the Queen, some of her great roles, and um, some of the things she's been doing recently. It's well worth checking out. It's not the best photo ever of her, but she still looks brilliant on the front cover. And, look, if you're... Uh, another recommendation, if you want to get the Radio Times, look out an app called Readly. It's R-E-A-D-L-Y. It's, um, it's a subscription. It's $12 a month, but you get 6,000 magazines. It's just incredible, wow. the, the breadth of wow. content there. And, oh, that, and that is actually cheaper than a subscription to the digital version of the Radio Times. So you wow. get the magazine cheaper than you could by going direct to them, plus you get another 5,999 titles to look after. So you get this huge back library of all their back issues. Yeah, back issues. I'm not sure how far it goes back, but it's they're just all there and it's called instantaneous. I mean, uh, I mean, I like reading the, the British version of The Guardian. That's there as a PDF every day for you to, to flick through. Um all the, the big weeklies from around the world are there, lots of US titles, lots of UK and lots of Australian magazines. It's just just wow. amazing. It's just like the biggest news agent you could imagine all there on so an tell app. us again what it's called. Get, tell us the name of the app. R-E-A-D-L-Y. You get a free month okay. to trial it, and then yep. after that they'll start charging you 12 bucks. So I wish I was on a I commission for this because I, I think <laughs> I think it's got a big future. What did you want to finish up with, Andrew? Oh, look, I'm just going to say that next week is going to be all about Neighbours for me, 90-minute episodes from Monday to Thursday as the show bows out after 37 years and the big final episode, 7.30pm in Australia on 10 and 10 Peach being simulcast. It'll go to air a few hours before the UK, before it screens on Channel 5. UK people need to stay off the internet if they don't want any plot spoilers. Uh, I'll write a massive farewell for it next week, and I'm getting really sad about it, James. It's becoming <laughs> real. Okay, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Looking, read Andrew Mercado's Mercado on TV column every Friday in the Media Week newsletter. Subscribe at mediaweek.com.au. It's free. Um, you can also read him on the website, of course, and our weekly podcast. Uh, like or follow us on your favourite podcast platform. Andrew, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week.